All right, hello and welcome to the Pick and Mix podcast. I'm Harry. I'm Ben. All right, so we've started this podcast, this very first episode, and what we're going to do is we're going to be reviewing movies and maybe some film series and things like that, but I think it's going to be a bit tongue-in-cheek, isn't it, Ben? Yeah, yeah, just a bit tongue-in-cheek, bit of fun, um, and just talk about some of our some of our favourite films, TV shows. I think we'll probably review some some new trailers as well as yeah, when that, they come out. Which I thought since we're doing um episode one is the Phantom Menace, mm. I thought it would be quite good to talk about the Mandalorian season two trailer if you've seen it. Uh yes I have. I have. I'm just trying to refresh my memory on it now. Um it's a lot of action, isn't it? Yeah. Really? It looks really, really good. I think and I think um oh, what's what's the guy's name again? Um What's the actor's name? The guy who plays Mandalorian. Oh, um, Pedro Pascal. Yes. I think he's a brilliant choice. Even though you never see his face, I think he's got the body language down to a T. Well, do you know what? It's funny that you say that. I think for the majority of the scenes, it's not even him. Mm. Um, really? I, well, as far as I'm aware, I think he was only on, on the actual set for a short amount of time. Like, you ah. know, when we filmed the scene where... Um, he, the Taters obviously take his mask off. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure he he was, like, from what I know, he wasn't actually on set for most of it. Most of it was, like, him just voice recording, which I think oh, is even more impressive because then you've got some random in the suit doing, like, an amazing job, but also kind of, like, you wouldn't... It, it's not out of place, you know what I mean? Yeah. Now, I thought it would have been him throughout the whole thing. Yeah, I think I've... I mean, I, I might be wrong with that. Um, but as far as I'm aware, it was um, it was someone else for, for the majority of time. That's um, interesting because I know someone pointed out in one of the, the the trailer parts where he's like leaning on a on a wall or something, and every a lot of people have posted photos of Pedro Pascal leaning yeah. in other programs like Game of Thrones and um, Narcos. I think it is that he's in as well. Yeah. Um, of him leaning and doing the same lean. So I don't know whether he might have, whether it is him or whether he might have picked up a bit more, you know, on yeah. set acting. Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, like, one of us is wrong. <laughs> so <laughs> I am look, in The Mandalorian, I am looking forward to, um, I don't know if you've heard about this, but I've heard they've deliberately kept it out of the trailer. So I don't know if they'll actually talk about it in case we spoil it for anyone. Um, uh, so yeah, anyone is listening, potential spoilers for Mandalorian Season 2. We must yeah. say that we don't have any sources um, to the actual series or anything like that. Um, no, no, we're not that it. high up yet. <laughs> um, we're nobody's really, but go ahead, Ben. Um, so I know that um, um, Ahsoka from... The Clone Wars series is going to be making an appearance. Well, it's Rosario Dawson. Uh, ah, right. I, I, yeah. I, yeah. So I think they've confirmed the casting of it. Um, I think in the trailer, you see a, a person in a black hood, and everyone thought it was Ahsoka. Hmm. Um, but it turns out that that is strongly rumored to be Sabine Wren. So, ah. yeah, so from Star Wars Rebels. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, again, spoilers if you've watch Star Wars Rebels at the end of that, Ahsoka and Sabina together, I believe. Mm. Um, and they, as they go searching off for uh, Ezra. So yeah, that's, um, they're obviously going to be linked. And I, 
I mean, they've, t- they've obviously set it up in the first series, but Boba Fett, is it Boba Fett? Yeah. Um, or Boba Fett, if you're American. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, he's uh, he's obviously going to be in it as well. I, I just think um, it sets it where it left off. Mm. With I mean, Moff Gideon and the, the, yeah. the Dark Saber. And I think the people involved with it, um, uh, I forgot what his name is. Obviously, you've got John Favreau, but the guy yeah. who was obviously a massive um, creator on uh, Clone Wars. Um, oh, I forgot his name. Is it not? Is it Pablo Hidalgo? I might be way off with that. I can't remember his name. Um, but ba- whoever the guy is from uh, from that, he's um, where's Cowboy Hat? He's like George Lucas's protege. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's going to be a lot of like kind of Easter eggs and things like that in there for us. Um, I think, and I think where the way that if we record this, um, we could actually end up like leading because we're going to do each Star Wars film, um, starting obviously with the Phantom Menace, um. And it could we could end up just doing some reviews for the Mandalorian episodes as well. Yeah, um, definitely. Because by the time we finish doing this series, we could, you know, we, we'd be on time for that. I um, think the Mandalorian's scheduled to come out back end of October, isn't it? 30th, 30th October. of October, yeah. 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 So awesome. um, I think as well, just as a final word on, on that, I think it's going to be really cool to see some lightsaber battles between mm. Ahsoka and whoever's got the dark saber, whether it's Moff Gideon. It'll be quite interesting to see Giancarlo do mm-hmm. some action. Do some action scenes because we've always seen him in more like not the background, but more of the, the mastermind sort of roles. Yeah. Like and, Plus, yeah. and he's the chairman of um the uh is it Voight Corporation in the boys? Yeah, I'm. On, I've I've still yet to watch um, the most recent two episodes on that. Um, I haven't watched any of season two yet. I need see, to get on see, that. The first, I think I've watched the first four episodes, um, but they they were they were brilliant. So yeah, I think I need he's to also John um, Carlo is also um, he's going to be the the main bad guy in uh, Far Cry Six, the game. And I know oh, they do a lot of motion. Yeah, I can see that. They do a lot of motion capture for that. Obviously, we don't really know what the storyline with that is, but if there's action in that, I imagine he would have had to do some action yeah. kind of like sequences for that as well. So it seems that he's going in a bit of a different direction with what he's doing. Obviously, he's a villain, and that's what he's known for. Um, yeah. But it's quite, it's quite interesting. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the Mandalorian. Yeah, me too. Um, Definitely, me too. But, so, should we talk about the Phantom Menace then? Yeah. So, me, me and Ben were discussing this, and uh, when we made notes on the episode, we both kind of did it in different ways. Ben's selected like certain talking points he wanted to talk about. I did it in a more chronological order. So, I think the way we were going to do it is I'm going to, you know, kind of give my talking points because they are in order. We'll go. Yeah, like, you can take us through it, and then yeah. I can jump in with the um, other part. I mean. Just, just in, in terms of before we start, like, what are your overall thoughts on the film? Because I remember when this came out. I mean, what was it, ninety nine? Yeah, ninety nine. Yeah. So I would have been about what five or six. I was seven. Yeah, I would have been five yeah. or six, and I remember loving this film as a kid. Yeah, like, I, I loved it, it, and I still love it. I think the prequels obviously get shit on by loads of people. Yeah. And 
I think Cornwall, Attack of the Clones, sorry, like, fair enough. That is definitely the weaker one. Mm-hmm. But I think Phantom Menace and Revenge of the Sith. I think they're quite strong. Brilliant films. I'd rather watch, uh, people may turn off the podcast after this, but I'd rather watch, um, I'd rather watch Phantom Menace <coughs> of, um, over, like, say, Return of the Jedi, I think, if the two options were in front of me. Because I think, I think the Phantom, which is what I'll talk about, but I think the Phantom Menace brings in so many good things for people who grew up, you know, in the 70s and the 80s when the original mm-hmm. trilogy came out. I think, you know, I can't imagine what it must have been like to see what, you know, the double-ended lightsaber, for example, would have been oh, like first seeing that. I, I had that. I got that for Christmas, that uh, yeah. year after, the, whenever the film came out. Yeah, I the had, extendable one. Yeah, I had the Darth Maul mask and I had everything. I just... It's it's something that I do comment on that. I mean, there's a lot to pick apart with the film, especially now watching it as an adult. Um, mm. I mean, it goes without saying, I mean, one of my big kind of notes about midway through is just Jar Jar. Um, yeah, a terrible decision to have, to have Jar Jar in. Yeah, I mean, obviously we'll get into that, but the, the way the film starts out is obviously Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon uh, head into the sea, the Trade Federation to seek peace. Um, yeah. The first note I have on it is racist Trade Federation character. <laughs> yeah, um, that was mine as well. Something, yeah, yeah. something I never really picked up on as a kid because I think obviously you're blissfully yeah, you ignorant. You're blissfully ignorant at that age, but watching it back, and I, it's not as if I don't watch these films often. I actually do. Like it's the same with Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. It's something I watch pretty much every year. Yeah. Uh, but when I'm watching it and I'm obviously looking at it with somewhat critical eye, I was watching it and I was just cringing because I was like... You have to, yeah, you have to cringe at the the overly Chinese, Asian yeah. Um, yeah. stereotype that's being played. I think there's a lot of stereotypes in it, there, to be there, honest. There is. It's something that I picked up on and I just put George Lucas racist question mark. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know how I don't think he is. It. I think it's just... I think it's one of those things that where, like, if it was made now, it wouldn't... Wouldn't fly. It wouldn't yeah. fly, and I don't think it would mean, but I think it's it's a product of its time. It is, yeah. I mean... It was never, on hindsight, yeah. it's never acceptable, but, it you know, at the time, it's it was common practice, you know? Yeah, I mean, it is, it is hilarious, and obviously everyone knows all of the, the prequel memes and stuff, and I think the Trade Federation account for a good chunk of the... A good chunk of the memes that have been um, born out of this film, and that was one of my talking points. Actually, how many you know, memes have been um, brought brought around from these films? And Phantom Menace is, is obviously one of them. And I think it's uh, yeah, I think the Trade Federation and the yeah the stereotype of being Chinese very hard on trade. I, I do think it was a bit of a strange one to have the whole thing being uh, like the whole thing that kicked off the empire um, kind of the progenitor of it was trade disputes mm-hmm. all very political and yeah. I think when you're a kid you know it's you totally lost on me. any of that at all nah. you just see the action that's it you, but when you're a bit older like you say when you cast a more critical eye on it and I think I've seen people online because I before I um, uh, did this podcast, I went on Reddit and stuff and just looked at a couple of comment threads about the, the prequels. Yeah. 
I saw a lot of people saying that it was dumb to have it all kick off as a political thing. And I was like, well, hang on. Like, the empire is a, a fascist regime. Mm. In real life, how do you expect fascist re- regimes to come about? They're all come out of politics. Mm-hmm. Like, a trade dispute and with the, you know, the emperor working in secret, the emperor being the phantom menace. Yeah. You know, like, I think it makes a lot of sense, to be honest. It, it um, does, and I don't it, see why it gets as much stick as it does, to be honest. Well, Palpatine's a, a massive kind of, for me, is like a massive, like, kind of metaphor for Hitler, really, isn't he? He's like, yeah. promising freedom, promising all this. I need to take control of everything uh, and be the only one in, who can make any decisions to ensure that you have your freedom. It's like, yeah. it's that kind of thing. And obviously, we're going to make sure that, you know, Trade Federation aren't going to be an issue anymore. I do, it's one thing I made a note of later is I do feel that even though the politics is quite good in this, I do sometimes feel that Palpatine's decisions, even though he, he's got that whole guise of being a, uh, you know, that puppeteer who's kind of yeah. manipulating everyone to do what he wants to kind of bring about. I just kind of think sometimes his actions don't make any sense. Mm. Uh, and it's kind of excused away by saying, oh, well, he's just trying to cause conflict. And I'm just like, yeah, but even when he's saying stuff, I'm like, if, for instance, when he's telling um, the Trade Federation to kill um, Pad, like, uh, Padme and stuff like that, yeah. uh, spoilers, that's the Queen, um, I just kind of feel that sometimes I'm like, if they actually succeeded, I'm like, is it, was that his actual plan? Or did he kind of, you know, it just didn't seem... That kind of off-the-cuff reaction, yeah. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I, the politics in it, I think it's something that's like, it, it, it's, it's missed on a lot of people. Um, but mm. I, I enjoyed it. But I think that's just because of who we are as people as well, Ben. Cause we're, yeah, we're, yeah, we're, yeah. Harry, Harry and I are massive political nerds. I think the, the main things we talk about are films, TV, and how shit the state of UK politics is. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, so kind of moving on, obviously, uh, they arrive, the Trade Federation are... Uh, like, oh, shit, Jedi's are here. Um, Palpatine then orders them to kill him, which they try and do, they try and gas them. Now, this is what another, I've made another note really quickly. At the start, I kind of made a load of notes straight away because I was mm. like picking it apart and then I kind of relaxed a bit. But you know how they hold their breath to stay out of the gas? Yeah. Right? I kind of thought, you know, later on where they jump into the water with Jar Jar and I've got those breathing things. Yeah. I'm like, if they have them with them, do they just only work underwater or is it just a breathing apparatus? Because I thought... Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good catch. Yeah. And I, and I thought, if if they don't work in situations where you're going to be, like, gassed, did they just preemptively think that they were going to be jumping into some water <laughs> later, <laughs> even though they were going on a starship? I just kind of thought, you know... Yeah. Um, or is it something they just take with them all the time? But that, that was, like, a really nifty thing. Um, so, obviously... The ship gets blown up, um, and then they're trying to escape. Um, or initially, Qui-Gon nearly burns his hand off, doesn't he, when he's uh, trying to get through the door to the... I think, the... I, think bef- I think, yeah, that scene is really, really memorable for me as a kid. I don't know why, but I just thought that scene of Qui-Gon putting the lightsaber through the, the metal door, just being really iconic for some reason. Yeah. I just thought it looked so cool. Um, also, as well, I think the introduction of Qui Gon is probably. I think Qui Gon is probably my favorite character in the franchise um, for how little he's obviously in it. Mm. I feel like I feel like he is one of the most important characters in the series. 
and I think his death, spoilers, is um is probably the most important event of the trilogy of, of the of the franchise. Because I think if Qui-Gon doesn't die, Anakin doesn't become spoilers, Vader. Yeah. Um I, I'd agree with you. One thing I'd say is as well, I think I love Qui-Gon, and I think it's it's partly due to the fact that if it, it, it it's Liam Neeson as well. Yeah. Um, I think he plays the part really well. One because I've read I've read quite a bit of the like kind of um extended like lore and stuff like that with yeah. And you know where I found it like Qui-Gon's a bit of a hypocrite in everything he does, I feel. Mm. I mean, he's always been I know with like the the rest of the Jedi, he's always one of those kind of like characters that's a bit like yeah and he's he's he breaks the rules a lot but when obi-wan's like saying oh i have a sense of a bad feeling about this obviously he's having wider feelings about where their mission's going to take them Mm. um and then qui-gon's like you should keep your mind on the here and now but knowing what i know from reading star wars books and stuff like qui-gon is like massively into his prophecies which is one of the reasons why he obviously picks up anakin because he's like he is a chosen one so I find that quite ironic that like Qui-Gon's telling Obi-Wan to shut the fuck up. <laughs> and <laughs> Qui-Gon's like, oh, what about this prophecy? What about this prophecy? But um, Do you not think that might be because, just to play devil's advocate, do you not think that might be because Qui-Gon is acting as the, the, the teacher to Obi-Wan? So he's saying, look, while you're learning, keep it in the here and now. Yeah. Because once you're focused on the here and now and you've got that mastered, then you can move on to foresight and stuff like that yeah they're potentially yeah I, I think as well um i know that you can you can see it throughout this film as well they do it quite well and subtly but um qui-gon and obi-wan don't obviously have a very good relationship in terms of working together no yeah they're yeah. like those two people who would be like really good friends but when they work together they just clash because they've got really different personalities yeah and that i mean i know in the books at one point um there was this there's talk of where Obi-Wan's considering asking for another master and Qui-Gon's not, like considering like like offering Obi-Wan to someone else. Mm. Um, so that happens. But yeah, I think it's a really interesting relationship to have. And I think it's one thing that's underrated with Star Wars. I think the char- especially in these ones, the character building, like in a short mm. time is really good. Whereas in the latest films, I don't think they do that as well. Yeah. Uh, I think it's one thing that George Lucas and whoever writes the films, like, you know, uh, don't get enough credit for. Um, so I've got then that um, they escape off uh, onto Naboo. Um, I've got... Just, just before they go off onto Naboo, I think one of the other things that I thought was really cool about these films, and again, something that... One of the reasons I really loved The Phantom Menace was the the droidicas with the... The shields, yeah. like the rolling droids, I thought they were so cool as a kid. And again, that's just another thing that I really like about this film that it brings in. It, it brings in loads of cool stuff into the, the universe because obviously for the original trilogy guys, um, there's no droids or anything. It's all stormtroopers. Like the only droids you really see are 3PO and R2-D2. Mm-hmm. So I think seeing some like battle droids and stuff was was really cool it is yeah i think it's 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 like it's obviously one of the reasons why star wars sold for as much as it did as well because it it's one massive marketing oh yeah um it's uh, the droid stuff i've got a question on that like kind of for the end just kind of when we're rounding up Um, yeah yeah 
go back there. So obviously they escaped from the boo. I did have like you know where they have that meeting where the communications are getting disrupted and it's like the queen. Oh yeah, yeah. I put Archbishop of Canterbury, um, <laughs> and I don't know if you know who I mean, but it's it's the guy who's like, well, surely we're under attack, and um, yeah. and he's the Archbishop of Canterbury from Johnny, Johnny English. English. Yeah. <laughs> and whenever I see him, I just can't picture anything but Johnny, like um, Rowan Atkinson, pulling down his, pulling down his pants. <laughs> 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 But then, um, obviously, the Jedi's are escaping droid army as they arrive onto Naboo. Um, I've just got a massive capitals. Darth Jar Jar arrives. <laughs> oh God, yeah, those those wild theories. Uh, I mean, it, I'm not even going to give any water to those theories because no, yeah, I think they're very very fun to read and they do give you a good chuckle. But there's obviously no substance to them. I think, and I think Jar Jar is one of the if if one of the very few poor things about the phantom menace like i don't think there's much wrong with it but i do think jar jar god knows why they thought they needed him i just think he just doesn't add anything i think i think it was i don't know i think the thing why like something like chewbacca works is because he doesn't actually talk english yeah. But when he's going around, and he's, he is quite, it's a funny character, but it's all kind of like a bit of slapstick comedy. Yeah. Um, whereas the slapstick, as well as the dialogue, it just doesn't work at all. Because um, yeah. even Star Wars is at, is at heart like a kind of a kid's, like young adult. Yeah. Yeah. That's suitable for adults. Um, I think it was just so like childish. And as a kid, I loved Jar Jar. Mm. As a young child, I loved him, but ever since, like, kind of like growing up a bit, and I'm just like, oh, he just cringes on me. Um, yeah, I mean, have you seen I, the? Um, I feel bad for Ahmed Best. Like, is that the he, person who played him? Yeah, because he got like thrown under the bus, really, with that character, yeah. you know. Um, but one thing I didn't notice, but I was talking to my mate Scott um, about the films because we very similar to like me and you. We talked about. Star Wars quite a lot, and I said I was doing this podcast, and he was saying, "Have you ever seen the scene that was deleted where Jar Jar was killed?" Um, oh no! See, no. I didn't know anything about this, and I'm quite a Star Wars like nerd. Yeah, but honestly, if you put it in YouTube after this, uh, or I'll send it to you. It's just Jar Jar death scene deleted, and it's you know where after the we're kind of skipping ahead a bit, but you know where they escape and they uh, from the Gungan City. Well, they don't escape, but they leave the Gungan City, um, and they arrive at Naboo. Uh, yeah, outside the is it feed, isn't it? Yeah. So they arrive at feed, and they're on the the river, but obviously it's on a, it's a river leading to a waterfall. Mm-hmm. So as they stop, the power isn't the power's gone, and they don't have enough power to kind of propel themselves to the the uh, embankment. So basically, the the boat's kind of like sinking away. The Jedi's ping over this wire, and as they're pulling themselves along, Jar Jar d- doesn't get there in quick enough. <laughs> The thing goes over the edge with Jar Jar in it, and it smashes at the bottom of the, of the waterfall. And um, I, I kind think of they just keep buying. I know, because like, I mean, surely they tested it with audiences with both sides. Because I think yeah. realistically, I don't think Jar Jar has that much apart from in the when Palpatine gets like uh, total control. I don't think Jar Jar has that much effect on the story as a whole. Really, does he? No, he doesn't. Um, I don't think he does at no. all. Um, he is just a nuisance and just causes numerous problems. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I don't think he really adds anything. Um, it's just, it's just so annoying. Like Misa, Misa I just think he's just, yeah. I mean, have you seen the the video that someone has has made where they've basically removed Jar Jar from it? No, but I imagine it's it's not much of a different film. No, it's 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 not. It's really not. Except it's just a bit shorter, and obviously you don't have all of Jar Jar's crap. Yeah, up the screen. He's a bit of a plot device just to get the Gungans involved later on, really, isn't he? Um, get get into well, that. You could have just. Sorry, carry on. Yeah, you could you could have just had Jar Jar. You still could have had him mm-hmm. and get him to introduce you to the Gungans, but then you could just dispense with him, whether yeah. it's by killing him off or just have him join or just have him in that film. They could have had him like serving his life debt to Qui Gon quite literally. Yeah. Have him saving Qui Gon's life in some way. And then it would have been like, oh, well, actually, he's done something for him to be worthy of being in the film. Um, Again, we get to obviously when they get to the Gungan City, I've put again racist question mark because I know it's Brian Blessed. It's Brian Blessed, the Bombard General, but uh, not he's like obviously the leader. But the accent he's doing, I'm kind of like, Looking back on that, I was like, oh, I'm not sure on this. <laughs> like, yeah, it is a bit... Yeah, it is, it is a bit sketchy. Yeah. yeah. And all of, like, I know, obviously, we've got um, Mace Windu later on, and we've got... Uh, is it Captain Panaka, who's uh, Padme's, like, right hand? Yeah. Apart from that, like, the characters of, like, different ethnicities in this story don't get very good role no, in terms of, like, characters of high stature. Um, but... I mean, I guess, again, it's just a product of its time. Um, I mean, I suppose you have Lando back in... Yeah, um, yeah. Lan- Lando's a bit of a breakthrough, really, isn't he, like, in terms of that time, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, so they get to Theed. Um, I said, I've not really wrote many notes on this bit. Um, it's just essentially stupid droids when they escape from Naboo. He's like, uh, yeah. what's that again? Uh, you're under arrest. And it's just like, oh, my God. I, th- I did think, I think, as is, 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 is cringy as it can be, I think the comedy with the droids is is quite funny. Like, I think it, it does elicit a chuckle now and again when I watch the films. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think that's the sort of comedy you could go for, where it's like, it's very, you know, it's it's not that often. It's just when the droids are on screen. It's it's a throwaway line that you can use to elicit a chuckle. Yeah. I think that would be much better way as having some comedy in the film than having Jar Jar, who's just a bit too in your face. Yeah, I I, I kind of describe it as like eye roll humor, where you're like, oh, and it, it does make you laugh, yeah. but you're like, uh, you know, eye roll. Um, and eye roll because you don't want to laugh, but you do have a little bit of a chuckle. Yeah. There's um. When they're on the ship escaping, there's 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 legit one scene where Jar Jar makes me laugh every time, and and it's you know where he walks into all the the R two and R four units. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. He's like, Hello, boyos. <laughs> it, it always makes me laugh, <laughs> and I'm just like, cause it's so random because it's just like, hello, boyos, and I'm like, boyos is such like I don't know about anywhere else in the world, but I always associated with like whales. Where you're like, all right, boyos, <laughs> and it just it, it makes me laugh. Um, I think <laughs> when when they're when they're on, under attack, 
um, and they're leaving. It's all it's all pretty pretty good before they arrive at Tatooine. Then we get obviously our first sighting of Maul. Um, and I put we that... also get the first, uh, not not the first, but um, before they get to Tatooine, we obviously get the uh, the introduction of R two D two into the yeah the timeline, I suppose. Yeah, and it's really interesting that you know R two D two's first appearance was was in a was in a space battle, and mm. he's managed to somehow survive through all of these events that lead him right up to well the present where we're at in uh rise of skywalker yeah yeah i mean little drone he is uh and uh was it padme cleans him up doesn't she yeah gives him a nice rub (laughs) (laughs) then um obviously i've got we've got uh ray park as a mall comes on for the first time with palpatine but he's voiced by peter serafinowitz yeah. So, like, I, I, that's always a bit of a, I feel bad for Ray Parks. I'm like, because I just use his voice. Like, literally, they've got Peter Serafinowitz in to do like one line of dialogue. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like a last word. Yeah, what, what, what does he say? He says, it's uh, like, um, is it, it's, it ends at last we will have our yeah, revenge. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, on, this is where I kind of started laying up because otherwise I was literally going to write scene by scene by scene um i've just got it's a point that um my my girlfriend steph made she said that the transitions between scenes is really jarring so if you mm. notice how like uh, she said it's like someone who's just found powerpoint for the first time because it goes yeah. from, it's just like a side swipe or like it a, a dazzle from the middle that kind of rolls out um <laughs> And she said, "It's." She said, "We were watching it together." She was like, "It's really, but it's really bugging me." And I, I, to be honest, I'd never really noticed that before until she said it. And then after that, I was like, "Oh, well, I wish you'd never told me that because now all I can see between scenes is next slide." <laughs> yeah, Whoosh. yeah, mm. spinning into the middle. I think also as well when they're on Tatooine, we obviously get introduced to the to what will be the main antagonist of the future films. Yeah, obviously, Anakin. Um, and I must say that poor lad got so much bad, such a bad rap from this film and it's obviously not his fault. And I know he's ended up having to have counseling and stuff. He was really messed up with. Yeah. He was in trouble with the law and everything. Um, I, I, to be honest with you, even watching it now, I don't think he's that bad. Um, no, I don't think he's that bad like, either. I mean, he's a child yeah, actor. Exactly. Like, like, I mean, the Harry Potter kids should get the same like grief, really, because they're just as yeah. Dan- Daniel Radcliffe in the first the first couple of films is, I think, is terrible. Rupert Grint, like, is shocking. Uh, yeah. Really. Um, and even in the later films, I don't think he's um, he's that good. Um, I mean, in terms of the notes I've got on Tatooine, most of it comes to um, the, like the pod racing scenes. Um, pod racing scene is really good, I think. Yeah, I've still got some bugbears with it though. Um, one note I did have is like you know where like uh, Qui Gon says to to Anakin and his mother, he goes, "Oh, I didn't come here to free slaves." I just kind of thought, "Oh, that like is that is that a really subtle like Schindler's List like." <laughs> <laughs> like reference. 
Did you not have another racist question question mark over the Tatooine stuff? Um, I, I kind of thought at this point I'd just put it over the whole film. Because <laughs> <laughs> me and my friend um, Peter all, always have a good laugh and try and do impressions of um, of Waddle, yeah. who is <laughs> who's obviously a very overinflated um, caricature of a Jewish person. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just... Isn't, isn't it's George Lucas... Um, is George Lucas Jewish? I don't know. I have a feeling he is. Or he's very good friends with Spielberg at the very least, isn't he? I mean, Watto is just ridiculous. Not that I mean, being friends with a Jewish person makes it okay to make fun of them. That's a terrible <laughs> statement. <laughs> but like Watto is just so so bad and it's like I think it's worse than the Trade Federation like Asian caricature because what was he, he he's a slave owner he's obsessed with with money mm. he's got a massive nose like and it's just a bit if when like you say when you're younger you just don't pay any attention to it but could you imagine like our parents taking us to see this film and they're probably sat there going, Jesus Christ, this is a bit on the nose. I don't like, answer your parents are. Some of them might love it. Well, that's true. Yeah, but yeah I think... I, I mean, think like, I'd, at this point, I just kind of wrote off the whole film because I just... It's like what we said before. I just think a, a lot of them are racist caricatures. Um, yeah. I think they've gone... I mean, Star Wars, like, like you said, with Lando, have done a lot in terms of having main characters in from a very early age. Um, yeah. In terms of, like, the age of, like, equality and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's it's not it's not good, though, is it, really, when you look at it? Like, if a film like that was made now, imagine... Oh, gosh. It would be eviscerated. But I think, even for its time, I'd want to ask Lucas, like, why? Why have you made what all this overly Jewish caricature? Like, what's the reason? Like... <laughs> I mean, I, I think we get to see a bit of. I, I like the interactions with Waddle and mm. the Jedi because you get to see. Um, it's like your mind tricks won't work on me. <laughs> yeah, you get to see that, which is really cool because you think, oh, like the old the mind tricks that we see in A New Hope on Tatooine haven't worked on Waddle. So yeah, well, you- and also earlier they worked as well. They worked like a treat on um, Brian Blessed, didn't they? Yeah. No. Yeah, I think. It gives you a good, in it, it just it builds the world up a bit more. To be like, oh, so there's people who it doesn't work on, um, mm. and also we get to see Qui Gon's. I think it's really cool, neat little trick where they roll the dice and, and Qui Gon just, just his hand over, moves it over, and then hides it away again. I think that's really really cool. Um, and yeah, I just like the. I like the development on Tatooine, but then we also get the dreaded goddamn midi-chlorians stuff as well, don't we? I just skipped over that. I'm, I'm, I, like, I didn't leave any notes for it because I was like, I've got nothing to say on it. I think everyone knows like, it, it's yeah. a bit of a shambles, but yeah. I mean, it would, if they made more of the fact that it was Palpatine and um, uh, Plagueis who like, influence the midichlorians mm. to create the life if they made more of that in and actually if Plagueis was a character within the phantom menace or at some point later on in a flashback yeah i think it would have that would have been a, a much more impactful thing 
but because mm-hmm. it's, it seems like just a bit of a throwaway because it's not really mentioned after this film really is it what they wanted to do is and i don't think it's necessary but i think what they wanted to do was i feel like they wanted a sort of a dragon ball z-esque style thing to measure someone's power and lucas was like well how can we measure someone's like connection with the force or something Mm -hmm. um at like a child level when they're not proficient in it at all um so we'll make up this stupid cellular thing, which is, you know, midi-chlorians. Um, and that's how they justify Anakin's strength by saying he's got a midi-chlorian count higher than Yoda. Mm. Um, which, and I don't know if it's necessary because... It's not they could literally just say he's a child born of the Force. Like, yeah, you, you, you said Qui-Gon that. saying like, oh, like I can sense his like connection with the force or like there's a massive disruption in the force around him or something, anything. Like there's better writers than, than us out there. And I'm sure they could have come up with a very good reason that would have kept the force quite a mystical universal force rather than being a... But then I suppose someone would justify it by saying, well, the force is this mystical force. Mm. And the midi-chlorians are kind of just the receptors for individual beings. But yeah. still, I just think it's a bit bollocks, to be honest. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. Um, the pod racing scene in general is like amazing, I think. Uh, yeah. I, I particularly like, obviously, the, the, the way it's filmed, it, it doesn't look like it's, it's, you know, it stands up now. You know what I mean? It doesn't look yeah. like it's... Um, I think the design of all the pod racers are really cool as well. Yeah, again, another marketing thing that's just like brilliant because it doesn't. Oh, yeah. it's not- My fat mate's got one, got Anakin's pod racer and Lego on on the shelf. Yeah, um, and they're still being sold now. Hmm. Um, I mean. I remember we went to Disney as kids and my brother got, you know, they had the photos and they put you in the photo. Yeah, yeah. My brother's got one where he's in like Anakin's pod and it's, it's so cool. Um, one thing I did, do you like Formula One? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I thought you did, and I thought I might irk you with my next comment. Um, <laughs> the crowds at pod racing, for me, are fucking pointless, same as at Formula One. Yeah. Uh, see, whenever I say that, because two of my best mates, um, you, you know uh, one of them, uh, Parsons. But oh, they, yeah, yeah. Him and my mate Maisie love Formula One. Um, and I've had this argument a few times where I said, like, I don't see the point in going to see Formula One live. I think you'd get oh, more. I don't either. I, I think you get more out of it watching it at home. And it, it's the same. I, I use the same principle to go with the pod racing because you see those massive stadiums with all those people there. And only a few of them have got those little... Hand- little tablets, yeah. Um, and the rest of them are all cheering. And I'm like, well, what, are you, what are you looking at? There's no big screen that I can see that you're watching. Like most of it's in the desert as well. Exactly. So you're not seeing it. And I just thought it was to- totally pointless. And it really irked me. And it, it irked <laughs> me with F1 as well. So I'm like, I can understand going to see a game where like you can see the whole pitch, right? Yeah. Or if you go to a boxing match, UFC match, something like that, I can understand that because you're there watching the whole thing and you can analyze it from that point. But with F1, I'm like, if you're going to then sit and pay a lot of money and then sit and watch something on the screen, I'm like, well, what is the point? You might as well sit and watch it in a, in a I mean, I suppose people would say it's the atmosphere and stuff and yeah. being around other people. But I mean, if you can't make a decent atmosphere in your house with other people that like it, I mean. Exactly. And and it's cheaper. Um, well, yeah. I mean, if I had money to throw away, I guess I'd I'd, I'd probably go, but I don't. Yeah, Bernie Eccleston <laughs> needs all that money, doesn't he? Oh, tell me about it. Um, 
one I had two notes then further from the pod race and I had Greenpeace question mark because there seems to be a lot of unnecessary abuse to animals like just <laughs> with with those um, with those little whatever they are like yeah. he bites the head off one to spit at a gong and then he pushes the other one off uh, just to mark lap two it's like I just thought it was unnecessarily cruel. <laughs> <laughs> and then I've also got a note that Warwick Davis is in the scene twice. Yes, he is. Yeah. Characters. Yeah. Um, which I thought was cool because I, I do like Warwick Davis and I think it's good that he gets as much screen time as possible because he's obviously quite often behind a mask of some sort. Yeah. So I think it was nice that he got like that moment in the crowd as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, have you got any other notes on the pod racing scene? Um, not really. I mean, we obviously get to see the sand people, which is obviously, I think, a staple in the Star Wars yeah. universe. Um, question film really complete without a, a little bit of the sand people. Mm. Um, and yeah, I thought again, like, I thought, I thought that was a nice little, um, a nice little touch having the sand people in. Mm. Um, nothing really else again on the pod racing, I guess. No, the only thing I had is, is Anakin. Anakin was as a pilot and stuff. Yeah, I, I just had Anakin uh, should be part of the IT crowd because he tries to turn it off and on again and it works. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, apart from that, I think that scene overall is brilliant. Um, the next, the next kind of note I've got, I'm assuming it's because they leave, it's when they leave Tatooine and head to Coruscant. Um, I actually like the Coruscant scenes quite a bit. Uh, I think Coruscant's really cool, like a whole yeah. planet of the city. Like, I think the concept of Coruscant's really cool. Yeah. Uh, I put Palpatine as being sneaky, but I can't quite remember why. <laughs> well, it's when, it's when we first it's see him. It's manipulating it? everyone, isn't it? Um, when we first see him and he says, oh, another a meme from, from this film where he goes, we'll watch your career with great interest. Mm. Uh, I've also put the uh, the Galactic Senate is about as much use as our government. Um, in terms, yeah, of the Galactic Senate's a bit useless, isn't just, it? Yeah, I just don't understand. Like, I mean, I know there's a whole there's a whole political background with the Trade Federation with the blockade of Naboo, um, and it's totally illegal. And obviously, Palpatine's like, I will make it legal. Um, yeah, but I just think as a government, if you're watching that, like, you've got to get involved. They're just like, oh well, we're going to sit back and. Let this all play yeah. out. This planet is clearly being like exploited, and you just don't give a shit. <laughs> but um, yeah, then I've go on to um, it's actually kind of a Mandalorian note within mm. it. Um, when they go up to see uh, the, the Jedi Council for the first time, uh, yeah, the female Yoda, like a female version of Yoda. Mm. Um, and I thought that was quite interesting, especially now that we've got baby Yoda, the child. Yeah. Um, so. You know when people are kind of question whether that that species are just gene generically like really strong in the force. Mm -hmm. I mean, the three characters that we see of that race, they're all force. Yeah, we've got Yoda, we've got a female one who's on the council, and then baby Yoda, who's obviously really strong in the force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe they are just a very force sensitive race. A hundred percent. Obviously, Yoda's knowledge, especially in like the last film, uh, in uh, was it the Last Jedi? Um, yeah, you get you get to you get to see. Obviously, he has a connection with the Force beyond most people's. 
where he's able to physically mm. influence the world after he's passed. Um, yeah. Where Obi-Wan and um, I know Anakin, uh, not Anakin, sorry, uh, Luke does at some point, but Yoda's the first person we see influence the Force from the grave. Uh, yeah. In terms of physical things around uh, the living world. So it's just, it's quite interesting to see where that will go with the Mandalorian, I think. Um, yeah. Definitely. I really hope, I kind of hope we don't find out what the species is, or I think, I hope it remains a bit of a mystery. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I have a quote from Palpatine um, where it says, if I am elected, I promise to put an end to this corruption. And I was like, <laughs> lies. <laughs> well, I suppose he puts an end to it by disbanding the, the, That's s- true. the Senate eventually. Yeah, I will get rid of all corruption by being the only leader and then I am not corrupt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, there's no corruption if I'm the dictator. Mm. Um, I've got, again, obviously they, they, uh, the Jedi Council eventually agreed to Anakin being traded as a Jedi by Qui-Gon. Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon have a disagree about that, and then they head home to Naboo. Um, mm. And then Jar Jar, and one thing I noticed is that, you know, when Jar Jar's like, we said going home, and he's really happy. And I just put, why is he so happy to go home? They all hate him. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you were, yeah, you're in exile. This is the best they? life you could have hoped for, being away from your home planet, because not everyone knows how much of a fuck up you are. And has, hasn't he been like exiled or something? That's it. When they found him, he's in exile and he's still in exile. Like if it hadn't been for Qui-Gon, he probably would have been killed. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's 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 stupid. Also, you know, um, I know they come back and then they're talking about going to the Gungans, um, and it's the whole reveal that the whole time that Padme, the handmaiden, is actually the queen. Yeah. I just had a thought on this. Isn't the queen's name literally known to be Padme Amidala? Amidala. Oh yeah, yeah. And the whole time, everyone's like, "Oh, that's Padme." <laughs> I'm just like, I'm like, is it a really common name? Or yeah, it might be. Am I just yeah, being really stupid, and that's the worst disguise ever. <laughs> <laughs> I I also I also forgot as well that um it's um uh, Elizabeth Swan uh, playing the the decoy. Yeah, Kira Knightley. Yeah, yeah, I had that down. Um, it's quite cool. That's all I've got yeah. to say on that. Really, yeah, I didn't realize that until. Like, um, like only a couple of years ago when my mate pointed it out to me. Mm. I was like, oh, yeah, ne- never really clicked. Another, um, and, and another interesting point I had on that Gungan scene is that when Padme steps forward, she says that we're all equal. We should be fighting together to help. Um, yeah. And then when they go to the next scene and they're talking about the plan, the Gungans are literally just put forward as cannon fodder. And I'm just like, you've convinced yeah. them to fight with you to then only put them on the front line so they can serve as a distraction for while you sneak in and do the important stuff. I'm like, they're not equal at all. You've literally just like mugged them off. want to get rid of them, don't we? We're like, oh, we're all equal. Come and, come and stand for us. Come and uh, be our cannon fodder while we go into uh, get our city back. And I was like, the Gungans have just been absolutely mugged off. I do um, think when the Gungans fight, it is quite cool when they use those big electric ball Yeah. Things. You, was it a boom? What do they call it? Is it a boomer or something? Use a boomer. Oh yeah, yeah. I think so. Mm. But I think I think they were really cool. And I think again, another thing we get to see is the big, the big battle droid ship, like transport things. I've got that note. They're awesome. I love them. Yeah, I think they were so cool. And obviously, 
everyone it's no secret that the reason they had all these droids and stuff was to sell toys mm. but to be honest as a kid i didn't care because i loved the battle droid toys i thought they were so cool mm. um and i thought the battle droids were a really cool concept um but then obviously we get at the same time that's happening we get probably what i think is the best lightsaber duel in the whole franchise um yeah i've literally just got in massive capitals duel of the fates yeah the the um, music everything probably, about this scene is just stunning like i think i think in terms of music like lord uh, not lord of the rings star wars tops like the film scores for me i think actually no lord of the rings is probably better i also think harry potter as well like harry potter like john williams in general jurassic park oh, harry potter yeah. star wars um i mean how but, um, lord of the rings is is something else but it's just fantastic but i think my top i think i think the, the most memorable um star wars music is definitely um, um the imperial march I think yeah. everyone who, I mean, I did a Zoom quiz with family over um, during the lockdown mm-hmm. and I did a, a theme round and played the Imperial March and everyone was like, it's Star Wars. Yeah. And I thought, I'll see who really knows what Star Wars is. And I played the, the Force mm-hmm. theme and not many people got that one either. Yeah. So I think the Imperial March is the, the most well-known one. But I would say Duel of the Fates is probably the second most well-known one for Star Wars. Hundred percent. I remember it really annoyed me in the newest film when they did the trailers. There's two. They they had the Jewel of the Fates music at one point in one of the trailers, yeah. and I was like, I, I was really hoping they were going to bring that in during a Jewel at one point because it just would have been brilliant. And I, and it yeah. really upset me. I was like, that's just a ploy to get fans like hyped. Um, well, I think because there's another you, really good piece of music in the start, the, the uh, Rise of Skywalker trailers that I love, and it's it's like the big crescendo of the Star Wars music where it's like do 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 do, but yeah. it's, it's slowed down but like amplified, and it gives me goosebumps. I don't, it's like it's so. I think the, yeah, the music is fantastic in Star Wars, and Duel of the Fates is is obviously no exception. And I think obviously we hear it, we hear it twice, don't we? We hear it in this film and we hear it in um, Revenge of the Sith, don't we? I don't know about that. I didn't think we did. I thought it's, the, are you on about the the Mustafar scene? Yeah, do we not hear it then? I think, to be. I think, I think it might be blended, but I thought it was a bit different. Ah, uh, yeah. I it could be wrong be. with that. I mean, we'll find I'm out. I haven't seen Revenge of the Sith in a while. Yeah, I mean, we'll find out pretty shortly. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I think Duel of the Fates is just a fantastic piece of music. Um, and the, the lightsaber battle, obviously we get to see the double-ended lightsaber for the first time. Yeah. Um, which was just insane. And yeah, it's just fantastic. Um, and like I say, probably for me, the best lightsaber battle in the whole franchise. I know some people prefer Vader and... Um, Luke in Empire or Return of the Jedi. You know, Ben, those people are wrong. In terms of fight choreography and and everything, I think this one just blows everything else out of the water. I, I think. No, we hear, we do hear Revenge of um, Duel of the Fates. It's when Yoda is battling Palpatine in Revenge of the Sith. Right. Okay. When they're jumping around the Senate room. 
I mean, you, you're probably, you, you, I'll, I'll agree. I, I, don't, I can't remember. It's been quite a while since I've seen Revenge of the Sith, which is strange because I think out of all the, pre, all the prequel films, it's my favourite. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I didn't even write many notes on Jewel, like the Jewel of Fate scene, apart from the fact that everything I love about it. Like, it's I just, just awesome, isn't it? And yeah. then we see, I think, apart from the it, it quits out to Anakin. Um, I put I put down that I don't understand why Anakin's there because yeah. I get that they're training him, but if he hasn't got a lightsaber and literally they take him into this dangerous situation and then say hide, I'm like, what is the point in bringing him? Mm-hmm. Like, if you're that worried about him, just don't bring him along yet. You haven't started his training, just don't bring him along. Uh, yeah, purely obviously a plot device for blowing up the centralized uh, the big ship thing, yeah, yeah. The central ship. Um, I think one thing I did know about was the fight between Qui Gon, Obi Wan, and um, and Maul is um, when those red door, those red laser doors are closing. Why didn't Obi Wan just use the incredible like Mac Five Force speed that they used at the start of the film to get through the doors? There's there's a couple of times where I thought that um, when they were fighting the droid cars and they ran away from them, I'm like, well, surely they could just run around them and smash yeah. them behind. Um, I think again, it's one of those things where you see quite often in films they introduce a power and then forget about it. Yeah. Uh, or yeah. don't use it because it's not convenient. I think it's just I think it's just assumed that we're seeing it in our speed, but they're fighting it a lot of a of a way higher speed. Because whenever mm. I've read like the Star Wars books, whenever someone's been looking at a Jedi battle versus a Sith or something, they always write it down like the speed is blinding. So yeah. I'm assuming that they've just filmed it in a way that we can watch it. But if it was, if you were there, it would be like a hundred times quicker. Yeah, that's the only way I'd kind of see it. Yeah. Um, oh yes. Yeah, that makes sense. I I put down um. I, just before Jewel of the Fates, that Padme was a nonce. Um, she is a massive nonce, isn't she? Like, nonce. Because, I mean, what is the actual age gap between um, Natalie Portman and Jake Lloyd at that point? Is it like 10 years or something? It, it's, it's, it's very sizable because Jake Lloyd's only, a, he's got to be like what? 11 like, or something? Yeah. And, that, and Natalie Portman's going to be what, 17 ish, maybe? At the, at the very, like, yeah, youngest. Um, I think, see, like, if it was a case that they met for the first time in Attack of the Clones, I'd be like, I don't have a problem because they're, they're both like obviously of a consent age. Yeah. And they're adults. Whereas when like Anakin's such a young kid and she's like, oh, oh, uh, see you later, Anakin. I'm just like, oh, God. <laughs> when you know where it goes, I'm just like, I'm not sure about that. I mean, I'm, obviously nothing illegal happens, but it just, I always think Padme's a nuns. Um, Qui-Gon, next note is obviously Qui-Gon dies. It's really good. I think it's a good good scene. Um, like his actual death scene. Did you, did you know that? I mean, obviously we'd probably be a bit too young, remember, but they spoiled Qui-Gon's death before the film came out. Oh, really? So, you know when they released the CD with all the, the uh, music theme on it? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So one of the last songs was like Qui-Gon's funeral or something along that line. So they released it a day or two before the film came out and everyone obviously was people who bought the CD were then like, well, 
we now know that Qui-Gon dies. Thank you very much. Oh, God. What, a, what, 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 not, what morons. That's ridiculous. I know. Um, but yeah, we see Qui-Gon's um, funeral. And then obviously, it's I very interesting. Really bad spoilers for Clone Wars, but Qui-Gon ends up coming back as a force. A force, force. Yeah. Um, I put um, Qui-Gon must be a bum bad general. <laughs> You know why? Why? He's gone, gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, God. And then I've just put sad, sad, happy, happy celebration ending. <laughs> Managed to keep it somewhat professional for like. <laughs> 99% of the recording and uh, I like I had that at the end I was like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I like that one <laughs> when I told Steph that we were sat watching a film and I, and I came up with that and I said to her I was like what do you think and she just looked at me and she goes you're an idiot <laughs> <laughs> proper dad joke material right there hell yes um, I've um, I don't have any more notes on that because I think I actually think the last 20 minutes of the film minus like the Anakin plot device stuff I think it. I think it's like fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think one, one thing I did want to mention was the um, the ship that Anakin's flying in. I think I think those ships look really cool, like the yellow um, Naboo ships. Yeah, I think they look really cool. Obviously, um, like I want another thing I wanted to point out was how clean everything is in the prequels, like how clean and shiny the ships are. Mm-hmm. And then obviously we see in the original trilogy everything looks a bit beaten up and a bit old. Yeah. yeah. Um I think obviously that's because we've got fancy CGI by the time the prequels come out, as opposed to real life models in the um mm-hmm. in the original trilogy. But also there's obviously a a reason for that canonically why that happens. And I re- was reading something, it's because basically the Empire shut down everything. Just, yeah, just wanted all of the good technology for itself and got scrapped everything else. Yeah, it's why, like, the Empire of... It's it's why there's no, like, mutually assured destru- destruction, you know, like, with the Cold War here. Uh, yeah. In our, li- in our lives. Um, there's no mutually dis- d- assured destruction because the Empire having a monopoly and all the weapons, that could really do some big damage, hence the Death Star, hence Starkiller Base. Yeah. That, that's obviously, I mean... It'd be, it, it would have, that's why I wish that with the new series, if like the new trilogy, if they literally both had had the same grades weapons and they were just like, right, it's purely going to be an actual, like, you know, war, pure warfare rather than just a cold, yeah. you know, oh no, we've got a gun destroyed as big weapon. Obviously, we'll get into that um, when we reach those films. But um, overall, I think I'm, um, I'm quite quite happy. I only had one question that I'd left for the end is based on what you see in this film and what we know about later films in terms of the droid armies, would you prefer to have a droid army or uh like kind of a a clone slash stormtrooper army? Ooh. Like people or being what, me personally. Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. Um I think I think probably hmm. No, I was gonna say 
clones because I was going to say clones because they can't be reprogrammed like droids could. But I mean, obviously, we, we see the, the clones are programmed a certain way. Um, oh, I think I think just the coolness. It would have to be the droids because I'd get some cool droidicas and some cool super battle droids. Um, and I'd get those funny looking spider tank things that we see in the later films. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think I'd go for a, dro- a droid army. I think just just purely for for optics and maximum coolness. And in terms of like once you like create them, I think you'd need to tweak the technology so you didn't have to have like one centralized place where they if if that gets shut down they all break. Yeah. Um, like the Chitauri and like Marvel. Um, I, I think once you get over that point, they're the best army because you don't need to feed them. You know, yeah. they need maintenance, which you could use other droids for. And unless someone managed to hack your system, which I don't think has ever been a thing um, on an army size scale in Star Wars. No, uh, no I, I think, think so. They're going like, to obey you to the letter as best yeah. as, as like, you make them, you know. Um, so I, I kind of put as well, I'd, I'd rather have a droid army because I think with the clones, obviously, once they get that chip taken out of their head, um, they can actually just, they have their own free will. Yeah. Uh, and obviously with Stormtroopers, they, they don't they don't hit anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Stormtroopers are dog shit, really, aren't they? Yeah. Um, they bang their heads. Yeah, I, think, <laughs> I don't think I've got any other... Um, oh, I think one question I probably asked just off the fly then, out of all of the ships that you see in Phantom Menace, which one would you want for yourself? Do you know what? I always loved the like the yellow ones, like the starfighters that they use. Yeah. Um, but I think in terms of practice, I do like the um, Darth Maul's one. Yeah. Darth Maul's trip's pretty cool. I think all, all of them are pretty badass, to be fair. Even like the Trade Federation, to a certain extent, their ships, look, I think they look pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. But um, the one that they used to get to Tatooine, and then they used to, I, after the that silver one. Yeah, the silver one. I like that. I like that one. I think that one cool. would be. Cool. I think I'd have to go with one of the yellow ones, just because mm. I just think they look so sleek and so yeah. so cool. I think I have to go with one of those. I loved using them on like the battlefield games. Oh, battle is a battle yeah. battlefront, isn't it? Yeah, I, I loved using them. They were so like. It's just, it's one of the things that I think the, the the Battlefront games are so good for is like how good they look. Yeah. Like the game That's itself isn't amazing, like because the story mode's absolute wank. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but the actual like design of everything looks spot on and it's so cool. Uh, yeah, definitely. We actually managed to get through that relatively painless. That was actually quite yeah. good. Well, I say yeah. that people just over now. Enough, but, um, no, I think that was spot on. Um, so I've been Harry. You can find me on Twitter at HarryAndrew94. And I'm also here on the Big Germs podcast, which will be releasing soon. Uh, ben, do you want to give your details out? Um, I'm on Twitter as well. I don't actually have my Twitter handle memorized. So I'm going to quickly find out what it is <laughs> if anyone cares to, cares to follow my... It, it's oh, my, Mine's just at Ben McGuckin. Points for if you can spell my name correctly. I think what um, we'll do is eventually we will get our uh, like our podcast handle as well, and we'll uh, yeah 
we'll get we'll get that going so you can just follow that and we'll attach our t- twitters to there as well but um if you have been listening thank you very much and hope to hear back from you soon which i think will be a less like happy version of us when we're doing the attack of the clones episode yeah we'll probably be mourning for the next for, for the whole hour yeah because there's not much good about that film but we can talk about that when we do the podcast yeah exactly but uh, thank you very much for listening take care yeah, thanks